Hi, everyone. Welcome to Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs, and as always, where we push the limits of our understanding. We are co-hosts Joe Landry and Nori Olford, here with you for an exciting episode, and we'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. We're doing things a little differently today, and Laurie, last time we were here, we explored the global and large-scale significance of a first contact, uh, whether or not it would ultimately prove to be positive or uh, negative in its impact on us as a species, and if we are prepared for it, um, psychologically, culturally, and politically. And one of the reasons that may support the idea that we are indeed ready to come face-to-face with uh, an alien c- contact is because we have identif- unidentified aerial phenomena being cited and reported by people from all over the world and from all different walks of life, almost daily. Um, they're being encountered even now as we speak. Yeah, you're right, Joe. Uh, well, many of these are observed as lights in the sky. Um, they could be in the daytime or the nighttime, and they look like uh, orbs of various shapes and sizes. Um, I've said on uh, one of our episodes not long ago that uh, I was able to detect one using night vision goggles while I was out in the uh, desert one very dark night. (laughs) But uh, today we have a guest on our show. Uh, His name is Lynn, and he has seen an orb up close and personal and as clear as a bill. Uh, And actually, his case is on file with MUFON, the, the Mutual UFO Network. And they've done their own investigation into it. Lynn is here with us to share his story, which actually is quite a uh, riveting one. So, Lynn, welcome to the program, and uh, and we're happy to have you on here today. Thanks a lot, guys. I'm happy to be here. So you live in Arizona like Lori and I do. Uh, how do you like it here? Well, I love the winters. Uh, I hate the summers, and uh, but um, it just keeps getting hotter and hotter. If I, had an, if I had a chance, I'd probably leave in the summer, but I don't have a chance. Yeah, so you notice how hot the summer is here. And you know, I like to tell our listeners who live in different parts of the world that opening up your front door here in the Sonoran Desert of Arizona is just like opening up your oven door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to live here to know what it's what it's like with that heat. I mean, this dry heat, as they call it, but... Uh, I mean, it does take an adjustment. I'm, I'm originally from Canada. Joe, I think you're from uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I think moving out here was like finding out it's like living on planet Tatooine in Star Wars. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what do you think, Lynn? You, well, you know I, tell, I, mean? <laughs> I tell people it's like living on the sun. They think I'm joking. I had a neighbor move in from San Diego, never been here in the summer. And they lived through one summer. And before the next summer came up, they had a for sale sign posted on their front yard. And I asked him, I said, why are you leaving? He goes, can't take another summer here. So yeah, people underestimate just how hot it is here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think the best way I can describe how I felt the first summer I spent here, uh, being from the great white North and all is like taking an ice cube and dropping it in a hot frying pan. <laughs> and that's how I felt. So um, and just like on Tatooine, I think uh, sometimes it feels like we do have two sons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the climate is definitely different here. And, well, I guess if you're from somewhere in the Middle East, you, you would know what we're talking about. And actually over in the Middle East, I think it's probably even hotter. So anyway, the topic for today is orbs in the sky. Now, of course, there are large orbs in the sky that we see all the time, that being the sun and the moon. But we're not talking about those, of course. 
what we're talking about are the ones that move about uh, much more unpredictably. Uh, they are sometimes seen as moving slowly and other times quickly. Uh, so they are considered to be UFOs or UAPs, or whatever terminology is used, yet they often lack a distinct structure like a flying saucer or a triangular craft or something that looks more solid, more metallic with defined edges. Uh, these look like balls of light with a, a fuzzy outline to them, and they may actually change shape uh, from being spherical to elliptical to polygonal. So it's hard to say what they might be. Some may say that uh, airplanes or weather balloons and even the planet Venus are, are sometimes mistaken by people uh, for these orb sightings. But often those explanations don't hold up with what witnesses are, are actually describing. So, Lynn, when you encountered this thing, what was it that made you think it was uh, not an aircraft? Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I personally never witnessed um, a UFO in all the years I've worked nighttime out in the desert. I have not seen one. So I'm always interested in hearing about the accounts from those who have seen it. Uh, of, of course, I, I've seen plenty of airplane lights. But, but first, just, just tell us about what you encountered uh, first with when and where you saw it. Um, it was uh, the 1st of July uh, 2020. Uh, I was laying in my hammock, just kind of just staring off into the sky, looking east. And there's a municipal airport just south of me. So I see planes flying by all the time. I saw this, all of a sudden I saw a pretty good sized light in the sky. And it, I said, what the heck is that? And usually when I see things, I can figure out it's a plane or something. But this, I just kept staring at, and it was kind of pulsing. It had a little pulse. It was white. And it kind of had a gold ring around the outside. And then all of a sudden, to the, on, the, on my right side, looking south, a small light came out of the bigger light and it sat there for just a second. And then all of a sudden with instantaneous propulsion, it shot South to my right, quite a ways out. And it made some crazy angles, just shooting straight up, straight down, uh, not slow. It's all one speed. It's going to stop or go. And it didn't stop for very long. And then it shot back past the, the main light, to the north, way past it, and it shot some more angles up and down, and then it flew back to the main light. And just, I mean, just as it, it didn't slow down until it stopped right at the light, and it sat there for just a second, and then it was absorbed by the bigger light, and then the bigger light went back to doing its little pulse again. It actually seemed like the main, the big light shrank when the light came out of it, and then it seemed like it got bigger when the light went back into it. And I'm sitting there wondering, what did I just see? I mean, I've never seen anything before, not like that. And I, all of a sudden it shot to the north, straight line, faster than any jet I've ever seen, but I could see it as it left. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh my God, what did I just see? Did I see a UFO? Did I really just see that? I couldn't believe it. And I'm sitting there for a while, and then all of a sudden I didn't see it arrive. But the light was back, the same place. And again, the smaller light came, came out on the right side. But this time, it shot further to the south, higher on its trajectory up and down, back north, past the main light, further out. Same thing, it shot the light back up and down, and then right back to the main light. 
and it sat there for a second, and then it was absorbed again by the bigger light. And then the big light it shot north again, and I watched it leave again. And my thought was, I thought, it seemed like it, in my mind I was thinking, was this the same light or is this a different one? Because it almost seemed like it had didn't get the, the pictures or the, the sample that it needed. And it had to come back because it went further out, higher up, lower down, back and forth, more extreme. So it could have been two individual ones, but I, I feel like it was the same one. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. So that's it. So I guess based on those specifics and the way it maneuvered and, I mean, the the way it was uh, behaving and stuff and hovering and the speed, um, that's what made you realize that this was not an airplane, huh? Oh, yeah. There was, there was no way this was an airplane. This, I don't know. I have no idea what it could have been other than uh, a, a UFO. Huh. So then tell us, what, so what were you doing uh, on that night you saw this? You said you're just hanging out in your, your hammock? That was it? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had built this house, me and a friend of mine. And uh, I have a hammock hanging out between a couple of pillars. That was a huge patio. So I was just laying out there. I, I hate being in the house. So I like to go outside in the evening when I can. And, you know, July 1st is still pretty hot. So, uh, but I still like to go out there as much as I can. So that's all I was doing, just laying out there on the hammock, just enjoying the evening. So when was it July 1st of, of last year of 2021 or July 1st of 2020? 2020. 2020. Okay. It's so almost two years ago now. Yeah. Now, just to kind of go back and, um, talk about some of the details of your of your observation you said it wasn't just one it was two and you're saying that it was a smaller one that that came out of it the larger one kind of like jettisoned from it it actually it just kind of just popped it's it's the main light was sitting there and the small light came out and just sat there for a second and it's almost like and i didn't see anything but it's almost like a door opened on the side and the light came out and then it just sat there getting ready. And then it shot off instantaneously across the sky. Huh. It wasn't so, pushed out in any way. It was just, it kind of just came out and sat there for a second and then took off. So if you were to estimate their size, um, how big would you say they were? You know, um, it's so hard. There's no way to compare it to anything. Uh, I would imagine, and just making a guess, I would think it'd be like 50 feet for the main one. And then the smaller one might be, um, you know, um, or maybe the bigger one might've been even bigger because, you know, I was going to say the smaller one was 20 feet, but the smaller one was quite a bit smaller than the large one. Uh, and it depends on how far away it is, you know, 
Yeah, that's uh, what said. you can you tell like how high up they were? I know that might be kind of difficult to to estimate, but would you guess that they were above ten thousand feet or or lower than ten thousand feet? You know, I I I couldn't guess that at all. All I can say is that from my where I was watching, uh in that if you look into the horizon to the east, I would be looking at a 45 degree angle up. You know, 90 would be straight up, and you split that and you would be looking up at an angle. Um you know, it could be, you know, uh, 500, 600 feet, 1,000 feet up, probably. I don't think it would be 10,000 feet. But, and again, it just depends on how far away it was, you know. Right, right. Now, were you able to see any kind of structural detail? You mentioned a door. Were you able to see a door, or is it, or is this sort of kind of like separated, like from one from the other? It just, uh, I didn't see a door. I didn't see any kind of structure. Uh, just seemed like in my, it's my imagination that it came out of something, you know, uh, and there's a reason it sat there, like waiting for the door to close or something, you know, I don't know. But uh, it's just my own imagination thinking about, you know, what was going on up there, you know. Yeah. So, Lynn, I mean, you don't live uh, that far away from you know, some Air Force bases like Luke Davis Mountain and the, uh, uh, what's the other one, the uh, Goldwater Test Range out here. Do you uh, think this could have been IR flares or had something to do with military training, you think, or, or no? No, I've never seen a flare out here, never. And I think uh, Goldwater uh, bombing range, that's southwest of me. I think that's about the only place where they might have some of those flares. And that would be uh, west of me, and I was looking east. Right. Okay. So from what you were saying, um, you believe that this thing was under some kind of intelligent control. I mean, it was being maneuvered in a deliberate fashion, and it wasn't just like moving around haphazardly like a balloon in the the air current. Absolutely under intelligent control. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Okay, so like like how did they maneuver around, and, and, and did they change their sizes and shapes, or did they stay like the same? The... Um, like I said earlier, the main light, the big light, I seemed to shrink a little bit when the smaller light came out of it. And but the smaller light seemed to stay the same size. And then the big light seemed to get a little bigger when it absorbed the smaller light. That's about all I can say about changing their sizes or shapes or anything like that. That's uh, fascinating. So what was going through your mind at the time? Well, I was in shock. I was totally in shock. I, you know, I couldn't believe it. I kept telling myself, did, what the heck did I just see? Am I seeing, did I see a UFO? And I was excited. I was excited. I was shocked. I was thrilled. And, uh, and I was really shocked when it, when it came back the second time. And I was really mad at myself because I didn't have my phone out of my pocket so I could film it. And I'm laying in a hammock. I'm kind of a fat guy. And my phone's in my pocket. I would have missed the whole thing if I would have got out of the hammock and tried to film it. So you don't, you don't want to miss anything. I, I, I watch people since I've seen this thing. I've watched so many videos now. gotten so interested in it. And I've seen people say the same exact thing, that they didn't want to miss anything. It just happened so fast. And I totally understand yeah, don't feel bad. I, I would have done the same thing. I would have been fumbling with my phone, trying to get the camera app open and, you know, dropping it. And yeah, by the time I would have got the thing 
uh, ready, it would have been gone. So yes. yeah, I think there are plenty of people who would have, have had the same uh, thing happen. Now, do you think it was more ex- uh, exciting and it was scary? And, and I, I asked that because there are some people who claim that the sight of these orbs is very frightening to them. Um, I, I've watched episodes of UFO hunters where they, they've mentioned some people have seen them and they won't come on and, and speak with the investigators because they are just petrified. Um, they, they just won't talk about it with uh, anybody and they just they won't come on um, the, the TV to be interviewed um, and they're just scared senseless. So what do you think about that? Well, you know, it was such a distance from me. You know, it could have been, you know, 10 miles away. So I never felt threatened by it at all. But I'll tell you, uh, if there was an orb and it was nearby me, I've heard that some of them have uh, faces in them. Uh, I would have passed out <laughs> on something like that. But what I saw was just the light, just lights in the sky. And they never they never came towards me or threatened me in any way. And, and, and um, I'm just, I just was very excited, very thrilled. So do you know of any other strange things that happened in conjunction with the sighting? Um, I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, animal mutilations in the area or damaged and scorched vegetation around your place. And um, and if not that, have you experienced anything like, say, uh, like missing time or anything like that? You know, I, I don't know of any of those things happening. And as far as missing time, I I never even checked my uh, watch or anything like that. I could have had missing time and not know about it. You know, I didn't check my time or anything. So, but as far as I know, I have no missing time. And I don't know of any, any other phenomena that took place at the same time as this, this uh, UFO. So I just have to ask, because I've always wondered about this, uh, the, the Phoenix lights. Now, were you living in Arizona back in 1997? And if so, do you recall the Phoenix Lights uh, incident? Now, Laurie and I, we, we weren't living in Arizona back then, and we've been trying to find someone, you know, who can say they witnessed it. Uh, if you haven't witnessed it, can you say you, you talk to anybody who has seen the Phoenix Lights? Well, I lived here, and I haven't talked to anybody that's seen it. Uh, I lived in a small town uh, up in the mountains uh, at that time, a little t- town called Oracle, Arizona. And my kids were playing, they, my daughters played softball, my son played all kinds of sports. So we were very, very busy. And I don't even know that I saw it on the news until weeks later. And I don't know if anybody that saw it, but I sure would have liked to have seen it. Yeah, yeah me too. I'd like to see that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think when we spoke about a week ago, um, you said that you had an interest or you've taken an interest in the culture of the Holcomb Indians. Uh, now, what can you tell us about orbs being a part of their religious beliefs? Do they tell stories about orbs? Well, I ran across, like I say, when I saw this UFO, I got really interested and I started watching everything I could find on YouTube videos and all that. And I found an old uh, episode uh, on the History Channel of some guys that went that were showing the writings, the what do they call them, hieroglyphics? Yeah. For the Indians, and I think the Holcomb Indians were on there, and they talked about orbs being out at the Casa Grande ruins, and even showed a couple of examples, not real life, but uh, you know uh, what it was like. And supposedly they have the uh, Casa Grande ruins was an observatory by the Holcomb Indians. Um, very 
interesting, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of information about that. But I really was intrigued when I found out that uh, that was an observatory. It's known for orbs, and then where I saw the lights could have been right over the Casagrande ruins. Uh, so it, it, it all comes together out there. And now, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I know that I think it was uh, was it Joe the Palladians when we talked about them. I think we mentioned something about the Hopi, and uh, you know their belief in the Kachinas, and you know from them being from this serious star system and all that. So, uh, but I think it's quite fitting that we uh, we should talk about orbs today because I just read in an article on the website for the radio show Coast to Coast AM that about two weeks ago a white orb uh, shot through the sky over Buckingham Palace during the Jubilee celebration of uh, Queen Elizabeth II's uh, 70th year as the sovereign. Now, the video shows this white orb zoom across the streams of colorful smoke that was emitted from the Royal Air Force jets. Now, some claim that it may have been an alien ship taking in the historical event of you know, England's queen and her astounding 70-year monarchy, but but most uh, brushed it off as being a, a stationary object that looked, well, it only looked like it was moving. <clears throat> now, others say it was a balloon. I'm sorry, but that was no balloon. Um, that thing looked like it was moving as fast as the jets, and it crossed through the colored smoke. It was, if it was a balloon, then surely it would have whirled around like, you know, from crazy uh, being caught in the wake of the, uh, of the jets, yet it didn't. So yeah, it's not a balloon. And I went ahead and posted the article on the on the in the video on our Facebook page, and you can also visit the Coast to Coast AM website and watch it there. So it's pretty amazing. So have you seen that footage at all, Lynn? Uh, I just I, I just watched it, and uh, you know you, I could compare what I saw pretty close to that. Uh, so what do you think about that, that then? Well, it's no balloon. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's not sitting still. Right. I mean, some of these explanations that people shoot out there are ridiculous. So, yeah, and it seemed really small. As you you can get an idea of its size by way of the scale with the fighter jets, it was kind of a tiny thing, um, but it was definitely moving very fast. So it's hard to say what that was. You, you know, we did an episode a while back ago about orbs and unidentified flying objects uh, being found in the content of a lot of European Renaissance paintings. And it seems that they may have been around for a lot longer than most people actually realize. So these orbs, you know, they're depicted in religious scenes like, uh, you know, the baptism of Jesus, uh, the crucifixion, the annunciation, you know, and also in portraits that show the apostles and the saints. And they're actually an integral part of the artwork. So we see that there are there may have been orbs sightings going far back in ancient times, and it could be the basis for a lot of the folklore about the encounters you know, with things like angels, jinn, spirits, as well as the occurrence of miracles. Um, this may coincide with the feelings of fear and the feelings of awe that are often said to be associated with the appearance of orbs. Yeah, and apparently there are reports of orbs that are seen close to the ground, too. Like they float and, you know, they levitate and zip around sort of among the trees and hilltops. And, and instead of being high up in the in the air, they're very low to the earth. Now, this is the case, um, not only in modern day reporting, but also in literary details of mythological traditions. So like in how we consider the tale of the, uh, the sirens from 
um, was it Homer's Odyssey and how, you know, they described as sort of misty. Uh, they're like winged beings or, or like the phantasm or phantasm in the Celtic war uh, called the Will-O-Wisps um, that is said to look like a ghostly face that hovers around bogs and swamps. So Lynn, what do you think about those types of orbs? Uh, the ones that you get up close to you, like with the orb you saw, could you picture it as something that could also move around very rapidly and very close to the ground and perhaps even come close to you? Well, I, I think with their technology they got, they could probably just do about just about anything they wanted to do. Um, but I, the ones I saw, I didn't see any, any floating. It was all instantaneous. And, you know, it's possible, I guess, they could float around and be closer to the earth and that kind of stuff because of all the technology, the advanced technology they have. Um, the ones that float around a lot on the ground, I, you know, I, I think that's probably a, a different phenomenon myself. I don't, you know, it's not a machine, because I think my lights were more of a machine type thing. And the floating around may be just a, um, in a spirit form or something like that. That's the way I see them. The floating orbs that come real slow and come up around people and stuff. I, I see that made more of a as a uh, uh, just a paranormal type thing. Yeah, you may be right. They may be completely different phenomena together, and then people just sort of generalize them, or you know, just they may not be accurate in their description of, of some of them as well. So yeah, they, it could be. Uh, very well the case. So, you know, there, there's a book that is called The Biology of Belief, and it's written by Bruce Lipton. Uh, he's a medical doctor, and he talks about how the biochemistry of, of the brain and the body predispose us to have wonderment and to have intrigue with the things that are unexplained, just like, like this, uh, not only by way of our neurological substrates, but uh, by our deeply embedded psychological schema. Uh, which may be manifested in the form of our faith and, and also our propensity for uh, deeply held religious beliefs. So we may somehow be wired to have beliefs about ethereal things and supernatural things and the sightings of mysterious objects like orbs and, and balls of light, especially the one that uh, the ones that may have been seen in the distant past by ancient people, they, they might have something to do with the pre the premonition uh, for telling and writing about these kinds of beliefs and these kinds of stories about miracles and spiritual entities. So, Lynn, can you tell us how your experience has affected your own personal beliefs? Well, you know, I, I was uh, not completely skeptical, but I still had some doubts about, um, you know, UFOs and that kind of stuff. I've always been interested in it. But this, uh, this, this uh, sense the deal. There's no doubt in my mind now that uh, there's UFOs, whether it's time travelers or extra dimensional or from a, an alien planet. Um, what I saw means that what other people are seeing, they really saw. So that's, that's pretty much how it affected me. I have no doubt now. And I think I drive people crazy talking about it now. <laughs> so. so, you know, we also don't, uh, want to forget that these orbs are not only seen in the sky, but they're also seen in the ocean as well. Um, there are accounts of such orbs being witnessed going in and out of the water and as, as well as moving 
around underneath the sea surface. And they they are known as the uh, the USOs, the uh, unidentified submersible objects. So I mean, these things can go either in the sky or down to the earth or even in the water. So uh, Christopher Columbus had actually seen them way back in 1492, and he annotated in his ship's log how he and his crew saw a large fireball crashing into the sea, and that it had the appearance of a uh, a candle flame bobbing up and down over the surface of the water. And this was something that they had seen more than once on their voyage. So orb sightings are certainly not restricted to being over, over land. So now, Lynn, uh, when you went to MUFON to report this uh, encounter, what was their conclusion? Like, did they interview you in person? And, and did they give you any sense that they already knew a lot about this kind of phenomena? Uh, I mean, what can you tell us about that in the uh, that encounter, I uh, I had at least one phone interview with them, maybe two, and I got the report back and report because I didn't have any kind of physical proof, anything like that. Uh, they couldn't say it was a falls into their category of unidentified flying object, but they did say that they ruled out airplanes, uh, natural phenomenon, stars, planets. So in other words, if I had a little bit more proof, they would have called it a UFO because it didn't fall into the other categories. Um, so, and as far as, you know, I, they have reports like that all the time. And the reason I got a hold of MUFON is I want to know if anybody else saw that or if they had any other reports. And they didn't have any other reports. Uh, like I said earlier, it happened so fast. And I just happened to be staring at that spot where it showed, where the main light showed up, or I would have missed it. I mean, it, it didn't take very long. Yeah, he lucked out. <laughs> there's I a, lucked out. Yeah, there's a lot of people that claim, hey, you know, I, I don't believe in them because I haven't seen them. So, but, you know, every now and then, you know, that incident may uh, just happen to you. So keep looking up, right? <laughs> I, and I do. I have now, I sit out there, uh, get me a chair. I'm not in the hammock. I took my chair. <laughs> Put my hammock away. I sat in a chair and I got my camera ready. And even in the wintertime, I got a little burn barrel and I sat there facing the area just above the Casa Grand Ruins. And I'm ready now. It'll probably never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I sit out there on the cold evenings too and uh, have a cigar with a fire pit and I'm constantly looking up. So, you know, it was about a year ago now when I saw two white orbs, um, like car headlights. They traveled across the sky from uh, southeast to the northwest. And this was around, I'd say, about uh, 0, 0,300 hours uh, in the morning. And it was a quiet night in the small town I was patrolling. It's like eerie silence. There's nothing, no noise at all. And there was no sound made at all by these two things. So what normally would be a three to four hour drive from the distance that I could calculate, I mean, they traversed it in like two minutes and they didn't go out of sight by gradually descending like planes do. Oh no. I mean, these two orbs hovered and then lowered themselves down behind the Northwest mountain range. Now, if I held my forefinger and my middle finger straight out and I split them apart and I could put two half size dimes on the tips um, shrink it down to maybe the size of like uh, the end of pencil erasers. That's what they looked like uh, from the distance I was watching them. And I couldn't tell if they were two separate orbs or if they were attached to 
uh, something like a craft. I, I have no idea to, to this day what, what it was. So when here's the $64,000 question, <laughs> um, what hypothesis of your own have you come up with to explain what you were seeing that night? Uh, you know, you said, holy cow, I'm seeing a UFO. Um, what do you believe that you personally saw yourself? Well, uh, I personally think that I saw a, I think I saw a craft. It just happened to look like a light. Um, and like I said earlier, it's either an alien craft or interdimensional or time travelers, uh, you know, probably never know exactly what they are. But there's no doubt in my mind that what I saw was uh, not of this earth. And um, they're here, I think, doing some kind of reconnaissance, uh, looking, taking samples, taking pictures, something. Because it just looks like they're on a mission from what I saw. And I totally believe in it. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, that's a truly a remarkable incident that you witnessed. And so definitely not of human origin in your eyes, but definitely technological. Um, so has it changed you in any way? Um, you know, like, has it given you a new perspective on life and, you know, our place in the universe? And maybe even, you know, the way you think about, you know, your fellow man, your fellow citizens. <laughs> a little bit of a loaded question there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested in it. Uh, like I say, I'm, um, I, I read everything I can read. I watch every videos. I, I just want to know more. I just need more. I need more, like they say, I need more data. I want more data. I want to know, I want to know what's going on. You know, uh, I'm glad that uh, the Pentagon has now admitted that they're real. Uh, I would just like to see, um, more evidence that they have uh, so that we can relax. I, you know, I feel like I'm holding my breath because I want to know what they've got and what's really going on. And I think it's, I don't think it's right that they can't at least give, throw us a bone, you know, let us know that we're on the right track as far as uh, what's happening. And uh, that's pretty much how it's, it's affected me is it's, I'm, I think about it all the time. Uh, it's all, it's, you know, I'm just totally engulfed with it. Yeah. So it's just like, I'm oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah. Oh. So just like all of us, you want answers and you want straight answers, truthful answers. Yeah. Truthful answers. Yeah. You don't have to give me, you don't have to tell me how you got the evidence, you know, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to expose our technology, but tell me what you know, you know? Yeah. We would all like to definitely see uh, more evidence. If it's there, um, just reveal it. Just disclose that is there. Um, we don't need to get into the classified information. And, and if, certainly if it does um, compromise national security, then no, it shouldn't be revealed. But if it if it's a, something that we've seen for ourselves, our own eyes, and, you know, there is um, definitely information uh, that or evidence that shows that there is something happening and coming here from beyond the earth. And yes, uh, disclose that. Um, it's certainly an intriguing story you have to tell, Lynn, and, and you know, we thank you for taking the time to, to share with us and with everyone listening to the show. Uh, it, it definitely is a testimony that gets your full attention and it really makes you uh, ask, what is, what is going on up there in our skies? And hopefully we'll find out for sure someday. Hopefully the government will disclose more in the upcoming years about uh, these things that people are saying they're seeing and they themselves are admitting uh, they don't know what they are. So that does wrap it up for today. 
Uh, this was a great episode, Laurie. Next time we get together, uh, we're going to examine an event that has you know, more or less become lost to history. And you don't hear too much about it, especially since it happened uh, 80 years ago. And that is the Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah, most people don't know about this, but uh, there was an aerial battle over the skies of Los Angeles in uh, 1942, just shortly after the U.S. entered World War II. Um, well, at the time, many military officials feared that the you know, Pacific shores were under Japanese attack. It turns out that the uh, things um, uh, over L.A. were possibly flying saucers. And, and some claim that the, the photo on the newspaper page you know, shows just that. Yeah, it was an event that uh, has formed a literary foundation uh, for a lot of novels, sci-fi films and even video games. There, there was the uh, what was it, the 2011 movie called Battle Los Angeles. Um, it, it was supposed to be a modern day rendition of the actual event. So it, it's, docu- it's a documented incident and it has inspired the imaginations of many people concerning the notion of an invasion by alien spaceships. And as we've said before about the stories of the arrivals of newcomers, whether human or extraterrestrial, they are often not delightful ones. <laughs> Yeah, and the uh, the narrative of, of the Battle of Los Angeles reads just like something right out of a sci-fi novel, yet it is a real story. So, you know, we'll thoroughly get into that when we join you again in, uh, in two weeks. Now, uh, we also want our listeners to know that we are now on Patreon. So if you enjoy the show and support what we do and how we present it to you, uh, uh, you can now show that support by going to patreon.com or by using the Patreon app on your mobile device and searching Alien Talk Podcast. So well, we hope to have merchandise uh, in the near future here to, to be made available for anyone interested in uh, buying things like pins, uh, stickers, and you know computer mouse pads uh, you know, that have our, our logo on them and such. So, But we don't want you uh, uh, to feel obligated in any way. You know, we're just uh, putting, that, putting that out there. <laughs> Because uh, we are thankful to all of you for tuning in as you do and supporting us each uh, for each uh, episode. And as always, please feel free to give us any of your comments and suggestions on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We always enjoy your feedback. Yeah, that's right. So, hey, Lynn, uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show again today and, uh, and for sharing your experience with us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and uh, hope you get to continue to tell your story. Yeah, it was definitely very informative, and uh, I think it was very eye-opening. I'm sure I speak for all of our listeners that it stirred a a renewed interest in the UFO phenomena. So, yes, thanks uh, for coming on. It was it was a real pleasure. Well, I love being here, and I love you guys' show. Very awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, we appreciate that, um, and we look forward to being with all of you again next time on Alien Talk Podcast. Don't forget that Father's Day is next weekend. So happy Father's Day to all of the dads, granddads, and dads-to-be. Make sure you all do something nice for those important men in your lives. (laughs) Of course, uh, that especially includes us three right here, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a hint for our wives and our our kids, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. Don't you guys agree? Something nice? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, something nice, like an uninterrupted day of playing golf, uh, smoking cigars, and drinking gin martinis. (laughs) <laughs> well, all right, that might be that might be asking too much. <laughs> yeah, that might be might be too much. <laughs> now, how about just a beer and and watch Netflix? <laughs> yeah. I'll okay, take. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> you take the beer. I'll yeah. take the beer. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I take a beer and watch Netflix and uh, perhaps even a whiskey, a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be a little more doable. So, okay. T- take care, folks. And as always, stay curious. Yeah, bye, everyone. Hey, we look, uh, we look forward to being with you again in about a couple of weeks. So uh, take care and so long now.